This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, we're back here at ASTE, sponsored by Shopware. My great friends at Shopware get shopware.com. Never been so immersed in training. Tracy and I came here and we said, hey, Dad, uh, let's be sure we get into some of the classes. And I was uh, so lucky yesterday to be invited out to uh, the CTI Research and Development Center, where you both were there. Well, it's Keith Perkins and Isaac Riddell. Hey, don't waste your text time while you start an RO from scratch. Dispatch faster. So they get on with the repair with ShopWare's software-exclusive Expediter. Your staff saves time, works more accurately, and speeds up service on the web at GetShopWare.com. Hey, plan to be at Apex 2023, October 31st through November 2nd. Apex will build upon the incredible success of Joe's Garage, a full 10-bay working environment. If you earn your living in the auto service aftermarket, then Apex is for you. I had this wild blast yesterday because you guys were doing open heart surgery on these vehicles. That's, that's what I found so fascinating. You know, we're in the back seat. It was your daughter's Honda, I think. Right. And Tracy said, does every back seat look like this? Right. And, and, you know, all the components and you were showing us all of that. As I continue to go to these classes and you know, understand these components, you're pointing them out to me and, and how they all work. So I'm glad you guys are here because I, I want to talk really about the, is training getting the kind of respect that we need to have. This was totally hands-on. It looks like your classes were full there as you were going from, would you have like five stations set up and everybody kind of round robin? What do you see coming out of the eyes of the students you're working with? The, the problem is it's the same students. You know, that's it's it's no different. It's the same people every time, unfortunately. I mean, we get a couple new guys every every time. There was, there was guys that hadn't been to, to big training, but for the most part, it's the same Faces, we're not, you know, how many how many technicians are in the industry, Carm? Like like seven hundred fifty thousand or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something something like that. And we've got the same three thousand people at every event. Okay, so what are we going to do about it? And public awareness. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things. the The class yesterday was exciting because. There was a wide variety of students there. We had some people that had zero hybrid experience. It was a foundation, ground up, knowledge building experience for them. Uh, some of them, they'd never even driven a hybrid car before. And then we had some guys in there that were seasoned Toyota techs that had over a 10 years of experience each in there working on specific Toyota models, but they'd never touched a Honda. They'd never touched a Chevy Volt. They'd never seen how the other companies, uh, provide support, service information or anything like that. So, for us to get that information out there, we really need to uh, find a way to connect with these people that don't seek out training on their own. Maybe corporations that don't have something in place internally to encourage technicians to take advantage of these opportunities. The the majority of these technicians that aren't coming to these events are going to be dealership technicians, independent aftermarket chain stores, independent aftermarket stores that have never had any idea that organizations like IGONC or ASA or Milwaukee or any of these exist. And we have to find a way to communicate that to people who would not otherwise seek out that training because they don't even know it exists. And not to sidestep what he said, to give a picture to everyone of what was going on, we had five hybrid vehicles completely tore down to cells. And we were in different states of, these weren't cars that are undrivable. We drove those cars in, disassembled the cars. I say we, Isaac and they did all of the work. <laughs> I pointed and, and said, over there is the vault. Um, so <laughs> Somebody has to be in charge. Yeah, they, tore them, they, they tore them apart. 
all the way down to let's let's cr- look at what faults look like. A couple of the cars are broke, and so they were real live situations. This was not a clinical little setup where everyone gets to see some handouts and we pass a, a, a battery cell around and everyone looked at. These were cars that ran and drove the day before, and they were down to individual cells blown apart, lithium conversion vehicles. They're, they're, they're real-world stuff that you'd see. This is, this is real training for technicians. They got to really do things. Worksheets step by step. Yesterday, I sat in uh, about an hour and a half of Carolyn Cocolette's class, and it was more about talking to technicians and or shop owners that you got to get in this stuff. And some of the stuff, she had one of the people from her shop in San Francisco there to, if you will, add color to the technology that she was presenting. But it wasn't like she was presenting technology. She was presenting, if you're not doing this, it's not hard. This is a real thing. Stop the excuses. Uh, you know, learn how to market your company. And oh, by the way, here's the opportunities for Tesla. Here's the opportunities for all these other vehicles. Please don't be afraid of them. The message was inspiring. And yeah, there were maybe 40 people in the room out of 200,000 that should hear or get this message. And you guys are trainers. In fact, uh, put up your hands in the audience. How many people own an Isaac Rodell? Uh, laptop. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I do want to talk to you about that. Uh, and it's Rodiesel that you may know him from. And that's a, you please explain that story to us later, <laughs> Isaac. Um, and, and, and please tell us the story of the, uh, uh, Krispy Kreme waffles, please. Because last year, ever since I left, I told that story a hundred times and you promised Tracy you would make them for us. <laughs> I did. I did. And I did bring a waffle iron with oh me. There is one up in the room. We have a waffle iron. So, okay. So, so if that doesn't tease you until the end of this, uh, to the end of the show, when you will, you will tell that story. <laughs> I hear your frustration that there should be more people here, but also if you were in a living training, mm-hmm. but you see the same old people. Last night, the, 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 uh, pre-party, I think it was, we mm-hmm. were, uh, I think you guys were there, weren't you? Yeah. 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 A, a gentleman came up to me who is a two year, he's been around the world a lot, been teching everywhere. He's with the current shop for two years and he went to, to the shop. I says, so what, what's going on? Did you pay, did your employer pay for it? He says, um, he paid for me to be here, but he wouldn't pay for my room and my board. Mm-hmm. And I, I got pissed. <laughs> I really did. And he says, he lives in a really nice house. We have a really busy place. I, I, our labor rate's at 125. And I says, well, that's national average. And, and I says, so here's what I said to him. <laughs> this is me off the wall. Maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this. I says, go back to him. Tell him that you're, you're going to teach to the other tech who's there. Everything that you possibly learned, you're going to, I says, because if you reteach what you learned, you're going to remember it better. You know, you, you teach, you learn. Get all done with that. Have him go up to the bosses. Man, did I pick up some great tips from Charlie. But before he, you do that, tell him, if you're successful doing this, would you pay for my room and board? As crazy as that sounds, I'm, I'm just trying to get people to step up. Yeah, but then to just tell him, go back and listen to Cecil's last thing with you. And, and raise it, raise his rate 20 bucks. Yeah. And pay for all of that. Yeah, I know. And pocket the extra. I know. And, uh, or net it at the bottom and show, show the, the improvement on the business. So, so no kidding. This is a great industry. We are on fire. You guys are so successful. And I'm not being a naysayer here, but 
I'm, I like to use this podcast as, as if you will, a springboard or a soapbox. And, and, and I get up on that quite a lot lately <laughs> about, you know, youth and apprentice programs and, and training and pay for training. And why are we finding it so difficult to have training as a strategic pillar in our companies? Now, listen, L1 Diagnostics L1 Training. Yeah. What's the website name? L1training.com. Yeah. And yours? Uh, uh <clears throat> well, it, it depends on the business. The, uh, the, the laptops are autorescuetools.com. And then the, uh, repair business is NC Auto Rescue, uh, which is just the mobile service business for programming, uh, and remote services. How do you guys do this? I mean, you, you guys have multiple careers and businesses going on. Do you ever spend Coffee. time at home? Yes. Yeah, both of us have made the mistakes of putting offices in our homes. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So can you work, uh, you can work 724. Yeah, so we're, Liz and I, you can ask her about this when you talk to her next. We're moving all the rooms around the house. We're commandeering the second largest room in the house from my youngest daughter and putting our offices combined in that. Mommy, daddy, come room. out and see, make dinner for us. <laughs> but now, <laughs> right now, our office is downstairs off, offshoot of the kitchen is where my office is. All right. And she's got an office upstairs in a small room. So we're, we're, we're giving my youngest daughter that small room and we're taking her to a larger room, put both of our offices together. So we'll be right there. You know, we're not separated down at the bottom, of, you know, first floor off of the kitchen all by myself. So is that a good thing? It's a needed thing. Okay. You know, only you would know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what you were saying about the, the technician, I, I, have a, I have a technician friend here that I believe this is his and the person he came with first time at ASTE. He's local to me. About an hour away. He's not here because of me. He's here because of the Facebook groups. That's what has driven, what year was that, Isaac? 2015? Yeah, 2015, when we really... We started making Facebook groups and talking about the training. Thousands of people never heard it. What did, what did Visions... I don't, I don't know what their what the growth was of attendees. It was, but it was significant. And I think... I'm not going to put words in Sherry's mouth, but I'm pretty sure there was some accreditation to all the Facebook groups, all the people on there that are doing the hard work for that. And that social media thing, that's, you know, that's an animal that's untamed, right? Oh, no kidding. I mean, yeah, that's the answer. Yeah, and, so, and maybe that's the recruitment tool. That's what we're using right now. But to what I was saying, the, the local guy here, they paid for his attendance and they're paying him to be here, but they did not pay for his registration. They didn't pay for... Uh, his room and board. And just like you, standing in, in the rally point last night, a little upset, a little bit of a soapbox. Now, I, I'm going to sit here and be the first to admit, when I owned my shop, I was that shop owner. I encouraged my techs to go to training. We took advantage of the opportunities here locally that we have three CTI regions. Uh, but I was that shop owner that didn't understand the value in paying for my guys to be at training. I encouraged it. I said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll pay for you to be at the training. One of our guys didn't have a driver's license, and he lived an hour away from where we lived, but we shuttled him back and forth to the training. But I didn't understand the value that was offered by paying for your tech's time, sending them to events like Vision. And unfortunately, I encountered these groups, and ASOG and all this stuff was starting months after I'd shut my shop down and took a dealership job. And it was a huge eye-opener for me, but the, the first ASTE that I came to was right after the turning point when we had shut our shop down that was only a couple miles from here. 
it's been <clears throat> really eye-opening for me because I can help guide other people to not make the same mistake that I did as a shop owner. So when I see a shop owner that doesn't pay for the room or the board and I go, hey, look, I was that guy. Let me explain to you why I don't have a shop anymore and why I'm on my own. And part of that is my own cause of not seeing the value in the opportunities that were here directly in front of me, even locally. All right. So we always say training pays. It doesn't cost. I mean, you just described it. Yep. 100%. And what does it take for you who's listening to this that is not committed to a level of training? It, you know, again, everyone knows I'm not a tech. I'm a business guy. And that's what we do here on the show. But would I hesitate to bring a technician or a trainer on this show because my job is to crash through the barriers that exist in the leadership in our industry? Thank you for saying that. You you see or hear the same thing? Uh, consistently, consistently. Um, I, I will say there's a good part about this of the not training thing. I've been making, getting some killer deals at shop liquidations at auctions. Oh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Killer deals. What are you yeah. buying? What are you buying? Oh, I, I just picked up a transmission teardown table and a big arbor press and a welder and you're hoarding. Are you starting to hoard? Are you hoarding? No, shops are going out of business left and right in Tulsa, so I'm showing okay. up to, to so, auctions and, and just buying up equipment for pennies on the dollar. Are you building a bigger barn? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. So, what? What? From a non technician's perspective, to hear the tool, the tips and the tricks. To see the guts inside, we say, "Oh, let's do an open heart surgery on this uh, on this Honda that, that you had yesterday." It was it was fascinating to see how many of our people out there have not seen that. Yeah, well, and these cars, if you <clears throat> if you think about it, the the first hybrid in the United States was the Honda Insight in 1999. So these are this is not new technology. In uh, in some of the research I've been doing when I built these classes. Uh, one of the papers that I read was from the Department of Energy from 1993 on how they were going to introduce hybrids and what hybrids are. But it's from 1993 that the EPA and the Department of Energy was starting to push forth hybrids. So we're pushing this technology back. We're, we're 30 years out from the initial rollout now. So this is not new technology. I'm 36 years old. I was six years old when they were starting to push this, the GM EV1 and all that stuff. This is This is... This is technology that I grew up with. Don't ask me to set a carburetor. I've done two of them in my life. <laughs> but we want to play with high voltage. We want to play with hybrids. You want to learn about how not, not, not to electrocute yourself and how to safely operate and service these vehicles. I'm all in. I, you, you know, I'm a little older. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, man, when it got cold, we used to sell choke pull-offs years ago. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I digress there. It's so cool to hear I'm 36. I, I don't know what a carburetor really is. Maybe. And, and just push yourself 30 years ahead. Okay. No, just 20. You're 56. Will you ever say, uh, I, I used to remember what an inverter did. I mean, will it ever change? I, I, would, I would like to think that all the people that have fears about EVs taking over and they're not being internal combustion engine in 20 years, uh, I, I would like to ease their woes. Uh, the hybrids are the future. Yeah. EV is not ready for full release in the sense of it's going to replace something else. What's the average age of the car now? 13, yes. 13 years or so? Yeah, 12, 12, 12 and some change. Yeah. <laughs> 12 and some change. Yeah. And about every two years, it goes up six months. 2019 mm -hmm. to 22, the, the, the production, may, uh, the 
production hesitations uh, <laughs> and hiccups along the lines. Let's you know we're going to see the average age of cars push back another six months as cars become less affordable. Uh, so we'll say in 15 years from now, the average age of the car might be 15 years. Yeah. So then you're talking about cars that are being released now in 15 years. Uh, I would tell people, don't worry about it. We're still going to have plenty of mechanical repairs. There's there's nothing that's that's going to change. Your job is secure. Yeah. yeah. Suspension's yeah. not going away. These cars are only getting heavier, and the suspension's being built lighter weight. You know, we may be, we we may go back to maintenance style services. We may sell a lot more tires. We say, may sell a lot more. Um, ball joints, we sell a lot more wheel bearings. You know, we may not be doing as many internal combustion engine rebuilds for, for electric motors. You know, there might be a hybrid that, that somebody decided, oh, I don't have to change the oil in it because it said there was a plug somewhere. Uh, and they may make a mistake and cost themselves an internal combustion engine. But our job security is, is just that. It is secure. If you went to Apex 2022, then you realized the incredible commitment that Apex has to the service professional. Joe's Garage is your place with 10 working bays as you experienced real live working conditions. Also, the best tech companies from tools and repair to management software had their latest and greatest for you. You also attended technical and business management training with the industry's best and brightest. Now, work is underway to make next year's Apex 2023 have even more product demos, trending training, marketing, and social media support to help you grow your sales and profits. Remember, if you earn your living in the aftermarket, then Apex is the expo for you. Continue listening as we bring you the latest from Apex 2023. Save the date, October 31st through November 2nd, 2023. Hey, aren't you tired of being tired after a crazy day at the shop? Take the frustration out of your work by speeding up the processes that bog you down. Start a repair order based on a can job. Check. Order parts from a menu that includes every supplier within seconds. Check. Now send all that information with photos or videos to a customer via a live chat on their phone. What? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Check that box. Get an approval faster than ever so you don't tie up a bay for hours check. Hey, it gets even better. Once they see the summary of work they need, next time they ask you to fix one or two more items today. Boom, that bill goes up and you make more. Then get this, they pay you on their phone before they even pick up their car. This could be your life, my friend. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. Yesterday, Carolyn listed all the opportunities on these vehicles, including the newer EVs and, you know, the true of tires and, and alignments. And there was a slide she put up about this one uh, bolt co coming loose on the suspension of a Tesla. And she goes, guaranteed if someone comes in, you're going to want to do that repair. The depth of opportunity is not being learned. Maybe we as the media or you as trainers aren't doing this, but I know you are. It's a great point. Please don't be afraid of it. Now, you, I know you own a hybrid. Do you own a hybrid? Yeah. Okay. She pointed out, please go buy a used hybrid. You'll, you can't imagine how inexpensive they would be to buy one that maybe needs some TLC, right? And learn it and take it apart and have fun with it. That is, that is my, my, the number one thing that I would encourage if you're listening to this would be buy a 2005 to 2009 Toyota Prius. Yeah. With a stolen catalytic converter or a bad high voltage battery. <laughs> yep. You, uh, I have never paid more than $1,600 for Civic. I mean, for a, a Prius, a Prius or a Civic hybrid. And I think I own seven or eight of them right now. 
Um, I mean, we just collect them like our kids yeah. collect Pokemon. Because they need they need a twenty two hundred dollar catalytic converter and they need a forty eight hundred dollar battery. Well, they're yeah. about three grand now from Toyota, right? Three. Well, so the actual we we went over that yesterday in the class. Um, aftermarket batteries that are remanufactured that are. I would say not recommended. Uh, aftermarket batteries we found range anywhere from about $1,450 to $1,950, depending on your choice of aftermarket remanufacturer. The genuine Toyota battery that contains brand new modules and a remanufactured or, or a used case, but all the guts are new. The, all the cells are all new. All the cells are new. That is only $1,650 from the dealership. <laughs> So these aftermarket batteries that are being cobbled together with used parts to capacitance batch the uh, modules in the battery, they're used and they're actually more expensive than a genuine battery from Toyota. About 3200 I mean, what's the converter going to cost? Uh, the converter, well, so an aftermarket walker is less than $400. The factory catalytic converter is going to be around $2,200. At the top, yeah. 3800 $3,900. And yeah. you got yourself a, your hybrid. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, well... If it's missing those if it's, parts. If it's if missing it's, those parts. Well, if it's missing those parts and you don't live in the state of California where you can buy an aftermarket cat, you're $400 in. Yeah. yeah. Big deal. And then if somebody goes to steal that aftermarket cat, it's you're really not at a loss. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we took it as a, as a we, we picked up ours at the shop from a customer and it was, we were left with this, we had 2009 Ford Escape hybrid. With our warranty, with what we're going to do, I can't tear a battery apart because Ford doesn't recommend taking the battery apart. Right. There's no procedure that for. So if I'm going to do a repair, I can't take that battery apart, do a repair internally and give that to a customer. Right. Imagine the liability involved in that mm -hmm. when it comes to doing something they said not to do. Right. The manufacturer says not to do on a customer's car. So I said, look, here's the deal. A new battery for your car is eighty eight hundred dollars from Ford. That's that's the cost of a new battery. The car's worth three thousand dollars, maybe fixed running. No one's going to buy it. It's got an iCAD battery. They're sitting on the shelf discharged. So I gave him what he wanted for the car. Then I could fix it. I can drive it around, but I can't, you know, I can't use it as loaner. I can't sell it to somebody. I've had the battery open. I've moved sell. I bought two other batteries, changed them, cobbled them all together, made them all work. But if you're a shop owner, you can do that, right? You can use it as a test vehicle in your base. Like we're, my technicians need to learn hybrids, right? Pick up one that's not repairable. Air quotes there, right? Use that as your, your, your guinea pig. Do some work on it. I mean, I got, well, I know people that have them as loaner cars and, and we repair hybrids, all, you know, all over it. Yeah. If you're taking that full, but if you're taking that full, I'm not touching it unless the manufacturer says I can touch it thing. You still have an opportunity to pick up the car to use as an internal training car. Absolutely. How many shops do you think don't do hybrids? Or, or wait a minute, let me, let me, let me repreface that. A lot of hybrids out there, a lot of Priuses out there, second car, local commute car. And they need work done on it. So they go to the shop and the shop says, sure, we work on hybrids, but darn, if there's an electrical problem or something deeper, will they be in trouble if they don't get training? I wouldn't say that they would be in trouble. There are redundant safety systems that are built into these cars. No one's getting hurt working on these cars from the high voltage systems. Uh, so I would say that they are inherently safe, uh, even when the uneducated works with them. The only time that these cars really get dangerous uh, for the uneducated is if you open a battery pack. If you stay outside of the battery pack and the 12 volt system, you, the car is off, the ignition is off, the car is not readied on, your technicians are not at any risk. And that, that would be the regular service that the dealers offer to. There is no OEM that is out there saying, we want our technicians inside of these high voltage batteries inside of our buildings. So if you're following 
OE style service recommendations. There's never going to be a point at which your technicians are at risk to be hurt. Uh, your technicians are at risk to cause damage to the vehicle. The, the worst thing that they could do is not power down the vehicle because it was in start stop mode and then change the oil and the car starts when there's no oil in it. That one could be a big oopsie, but that's pretty much the worst case scenario. Yeah, we've heard that. I've heard that. It's, so, it's happened. Yeah, it was a, there, there's a, there's a bulletin, right? There's a written Toyota bulletin about placing the key at least 20 meters from the car. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's really you know you and I both know oscillators. You can you can take the keys and only put them a couple feet from the car, and you're perfectly safe. So remind yeah. me what happens. You've drained the oil, and and, and is something it's, cycles. It's a hybrid. It's a hybrid. So so you may pull it into your bay, put it in park, and not hit the off button, and the the internal combustion engine's off, so it's silent. Right, the car's silent. You lift the car up, you drain the oil, and then it goes. Ah, oh, my HV battery's a little low. Let me kick on the internal combustion engine, uh, put it into generator mode, and recharge that battery while the oil's drained out of the car. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's document. You follow, follow the service information. Make sure the car's off. Move the key away from the car. Is the radio light on? No. The radio light's off. Everything's off. Move the key away from the car. Then you can lift the car. Then and, you can drain the oil. and if you have to satisfy personal paranoia, disconnect the 12 volt battery. Yep. And it'll never, it can't shut the, it can't, it can't actually close the, the solenoids to actually push HV voltage to anything. So MG1 never runs. It never turns the engine over. Nothing can happen. Right. Yeah. You're safe. So you it's guys are, easy. you guys are both mobile diags. Yeah. Busy, busier than all get out. Yeah. The mobile game is, is an interesting world. Uh, mobile is very interesting because it's, it's the dynamics of the business are changing since Keith and I both started doing it. I mean, I've been a business to business only sublet now since 2017, 2018. And, uh, it has changed drastically over the last five years, the dynamic of what we're doing. How? Uh, shops are actually starting to tool up. The, the better shops are no longer calling us for what we would call the gravy jobs. I get significantly less domestic programming than I did five years ago. Uh, other people have seen the opportunity in the business structures that we offer. So we have more competition. Uh, larger companies are offering similar services, uh, not always with the same level of training or capability that we have, but that also means that we are losing uh, those, those opportunities to have the easy services. We are losing what would be the oil changes and breaks of our business structure. Got it. Yeah. Same with you. Oh yeah. 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 Huge pivot to remote programming options. Lots of companies out there offering that. Um, not so much. I'm not seeing as much tooling on my end, but I'm starting to see, uh, they're putting more effort into, into attempting to, to fix it. For me, it's a lot of di- I'm like 60% diag. My guys are. So of all of and, our and own 40% total, programming, 20% programming, 20% ADOS. Then there's like a sprinkle of keys and refrigerant in there and, and some little things here and there. It's, it's, but it's probably solid 60% diag. Ever encourage, uh, the tech that you go in and work with who explains what's going on so that you can jump in ahead of him? Do you ever explain to him that he needs to get training? So I try and every year actually sponsor a local tech to come to ASTE. This year I invited one of the technicians from the local Mercedes-Benz dealership, but he was unable to get them to uh, allow him to take this break. He works on Saturdays. So he was unable to come to this event, but every year I try and grab somebody local who's never heard of this type of training or it's outside of their environment, but they have potential. And I try and grab the youngest technician that I can find. They have to be in their mid twenties. The least corrupted. Yes. The least corrupted. I like that. That's a great, that's a great way to say it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Who's not, who's not racing to the bottom of the tree chart and replacing the ECM. Yeah. 
And and not even that. Uh, for me, it's it's about encouraging the young generation. Uh, I was at an event and was asked how old I was. I told them how old I was, and they said I was one of the youngest technicians that they know. And I said, if I'm the one of the youngest guys that you know in my mid thirties, us as an industry have a really steep uphill battle to continue on. I think this has been an issue since long before I entered the automotive industry. Uh, but so I try and find the youngest person that I can that wants to learn and has drive. If they go, I've seen a scope, but I don't understand it, but I'm interested. That's the person that I will happily put forth and pay for them to be at any event because that is the person that's going to help grow this. They're willing to learn and willing to teach them. I have to tell you, it's a brilliant thing you just said, Isaac. So I'm having this revelation. And if you're listening to this, if you had it too, and you heard what Isaac said, then I'm going to tell you what you're thinking. You're thinking, I can't get my senior tech to go to training. And we are building and recruiting apprentices, interns, whatever it is that we're doing. We realize that we have to seed our own industry if we're going to make it happen. Well, look around at some of those young, smart, digital native. If, if the senior guy won't go, I'll bet you a hundred bucks that the, that the young person in their twenties, early thirties would jump on training and then come back and end up becoming the smartest uh, guy in the bunch. That's, that's the, the hope and the goal. I mean, yeah. if it, and to inspire a future generation. Uh, we went to ATMC together last year and we're looking at some of the charts that they put out. And uh, Rob Morell, my boss at Worldpack, he's very involved with ATMC and he explains to me all these things and these trends that are going on that ATMC monitors. And the average age of the technician was pushing over 50. I think they were- 55 to 64. Yeah, 55 to 64. And that was, uh, that was a real eye-opener for me. Yeah. I did not believe that it was uh, the above 50. I would have thought probably in the 40s. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it's 20 something percent of technicians, all technicians in the field are 55 to 64. And then another 20 something percent are, you know, 45 to, to 54 right in there. But that's, that's staggering. That means we need to inspire young people. What are, what are the generations? My daughter is about to turn 16 and sh her generation, I don't think owns, uh, cares about owning cars. They want to summon an app on their phone. They're not really involved with car ownership. And so, if that's the generation that we have to inspire, if those, if those young adults are not involved with anything, motorsports, cars, RC racing, any of that as, as youth, are they inspired to be involved in this industry in the future? Right. So how do we in, involve those young kids at a very young age? What do we do to get somebody interested in automotive in a time when the only thing they're shown is a digital screen? Yeah. Car Carmen, high school, what percentage of, of young men worked on their own cars when you were in high school? When I was in high school? Yep. That was a long time ago. Okay. So 90-something so <laughs> percent of young men worked on their own I cars. I would say. Right? And we had shop class, too. Right. Think, everyone listening, think about when you were in high school, what was your percentage? Isaac and I will tell you, it was a handful, handful of, of young men and or women that were interested in cars that worked on them. Right. I hate to exclude, exclude the female part of that, but you know, just statistically, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a male dominated industry, right? It's a, it, whether it be social norms that push that or, or, you know, biologically if something happened, you know, with, with working with your hands, dexterity, whatever. Um, but just think Is about it, the percentage of individuals that worked on their own car in high school at your generation. And I believe that they still exist, but we've not had a chance, you know, 
who's told his story on my show in the past, Carmine used to tear apart the toaster and the wash machine. And, yep. you know, and then I put it back together because mom said, if you know, <laughs> right. and, and I, I love to work with my hands. That's why I do what I do. Now I own a shop, a very successful peer in the industry. And you go back and you think of all that legacy. If what we did back in the day, we were working on our own vehicles. We were hot rod and we were doing anything and everything with, yeah. with vehicles. And I, I'm inspired. And you go back to what you were just saying, Isaac, the young people and the app. Well, today's class, there's an app for constant learning in our industry. A mentor mentee, if you have a mentor mentee assessments and training and it's an app that the, the, the young mentee would be part of and that ASE doing, doing their continuous recertification on an app. I, I somewhere in this whole mist, we're meeting the call. Yeah. For the younger generation. And I guess this is a, a marching order to anyone who owns a shop that look around. You've got some young people. Please pay for training, time off, room and board and let them come back and inspire the rest of your people. Yeah. A, a shop owner who does send their technicians to training sent, sent them to one of the events in, that we hosted in Tulsa. And he said, this guy has not been this excited about something in a long time. And it wasn't anything that I did, right? I, I fostered a, a networking environment. It was, more, it was more the fact he met other people that had the same burnout level that he had, right? And it kind of restarted what was going on. This was, this was pre-pandemic, right? So this was, uh, training was still happening, but it was kind of local. This was from Kansas City, from Kansas City, come down. It's a three and a half hour drive. They're good. So, but I think I, I think my my big part of that is is the barrier to entry for us is we still have the social social thought process that this isn't the, a good career. This a isn't stigma. It isn't, it's it a isn't stigma. technology. This yeah. is this is still for we still have we we still have guidance counselors saying, well, if you're not really that good at math or science, you know, you can you can go work on cars. Like I I can't use that guy. No, I no. have to have the analytical thinker, somebody with critical thought processes. You, you just gave me a great idea. Tracy, we need to do an episode that specifically plays to counselors and principals. No, no, you need to go get them and have them on and not ones that you know that are, that are involved in industry. Right. You need to get ones that have nothing to do with the industry and ask them, what is your, what is your outlook on, on our industry? That would be scary. Right. But who, who did no, that? No, somebody, but- somebody did that with, they, they had a panel up on a stage and it was somewhere in. Yeah. We did. Bob we did Cooper. three episodes with that yeah, Bob yeah, Cooper. Yeah, yeah. We asked. We uh, he asked consumers, yeah. and then he brought those sound bites, and we and came I on hear and the rest talked of them. to them. Oh my God! You know. It had me. It had me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Isaac? No, I don't. Oh, he asked. He asked. He had three people up on stage, <laughs> and and they don't know anything about our industry. Release. What do you think technicians make money wise? Yeah. And one thought we made great money. One thought we made okay money. And one thought we made no money. Yeah. Well, like one of them 30, said 70,000, 140,000. One of them said like minimum wage. Minimum one, wage. Yeah, minimum yeah. wage. Uh, oh, but, but one and of the big bites said, okay. And then he just left it at that. And I was like, Oh, what happened? <laughs> yeah. One of the, yeah. One of the big takeaways was, and he went, there were six of them on stage. Okay. Six. six and, six. and, uh, Bob goes to the first one. It was, was really quick technician or mechanic, technician or mechanic. And he just kept going down the room. Right. And so well, there's 500 people in the audience and every single one of them. And it, yeah, you got to listen to the episode to hear this, but I'll, I'll tell you what they said. They said the word mechanic mm-hmm. and everyone in the room 
Wow, we have technician all over our website. Yeah, we have elevated and raised diagnostic technician, you know, an alignment technician. So if they were going to go to SEO and go to their phone and say mechanic near, they don't say technician near me. Right. And all the SEO and all the marketing people are driving keywords and SEO to technician. And I was, so I've been, I've been really talking to a lot of people here for the last few days. And I said, so are you moving with this revelation, some of your people to put the word mechanic more on their website? They said, no, we're sticking by this technician thing. Yeah. And the industry doesn't know us as technicians yet. Now I do and I believe, but I think it's going to take a, a bigger push to yeah. get that to happen. But yeah, Bob Cooper, there's three episodes. There's this customer review panel. It is great. It's wild, Isaac. It's, it's wild, wild stuff. You, you got to hear what the people believe. He says, so how do you think people price jobs? You, the shop owner, calls the dealer. And asks them. <laughs> <laughs> and one said, isn't there some kind of standardized thing out there? Like, yeah, you kind of, but kind not. There's pseudo-standardized guidelines. Right? There's <laughs> book time. What book? So, Who wrote the book? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are they a technician or are they a mechanic? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, well, thanks for bringing that up. By the way, guys, uh, you, you do your own training. You came in earlier when we were, you know, having coffee this morning and, and you yeah. said, because of the hurricane and some personal events, we've lost a few trainers here. Yeah. So of course, ISTE reached out to the people and said, Hey, can you, can you do something for us? You just got anything in that laptop? Maybe, just maybe you could do a four hour class. And you know, the hands went up and you, you came in and you said, yeah, I was, I was taking my eight down to four and I was tweaking this slide and that slide. And he goes, it's probably the 60th time I've given this thing. And I've even changed it since then. Yeah. And I, and I want the industry and Isaac smiling like crazy here because you, you know what he means. Guess I want the industry to appreciate the long line of legacy people that always show up, but the ones that don't, these guys are passionate about getting it right and making it right. Yeah. What do you invest, Isaac, to, you know, to go up and you give the same class you did last week, but it's probably different. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've ever taught the same class twice. So I've built this class to be able to take sections of it and apply it to uh, pull sections to be able to do it depending on what the event is. Uh, we could do it over a three-day period, a five-day period. Four hours or eight hours is pretty intense. Uh, yesterday, we did uh, the advanced fundamentals of hybrid and ele electric vehicles, which is my world pack class. And that was like theory? It's it's theory and operation, but then we wanted to add hands-on because we want to see the light bulbs go off. Yeah. I can sit there and I can talk to you. I can hand you a component. But in doing all that, there's no practical application. There's no real world application. But as soon as you go and we put out there, all of those cars that you guys saw, those, there was two Toyota Priuses, two Honda Civic hybrids and a Chevy Volt. All of these vehicles, except for the Chevy Volt, ran and drove. But by the time we got in the shop, we had some known bad batteries that were donated. And then we had some hiccups along the way. And so we had real life diagnostic going on in a hands-on environment that was not the planned course of action. Yeah, we drove a car in and it was broke. We drove it in and it wouldn't drive out. And we didn't change anything. We didn't bug the car. We no. didn't do anything. It, it was actually a failure that happened in the bay. Divine intervention. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it was another D word intervention. <laughs> <laughs> the the funny part about it is is so there's there's these orange batteries out there. They're dormant batteries. 
Dorman was kind enough to donate us known bad components for this class. Cool. They, yeah, they, they were we like, said, put these in and, and yeah, well, I said, I, I asked Lester and Derek at Dorman. I said, Hey, we're going to have this class coming up. Uh, I want to have some examples of something bad. All my cars run and drive. Can you send me yeah. rejects from your production line? And they did. Cool. Well, one of these rejects from the production line had a short inside of something and, uh, it caused some excitement. We got a code, a P code that Neat. wasn't even in to- Toyota service information. Oh, wow. So we have a Toyota tech, uh, PJ, our, our Toyota tech that works with us at World Pack that is just bomb. He's in, he's looking up. He goes, Isaac, check this out. We have a code that doesn't even <laughs> exist in Toyota and it's in our class right now. Those are the fun, exciting things that we were able to do. And, and but to jam all that in and to change that course and to do it in eight hours. Oh gosh. I, we, we barely touched on anything, but yeah. touched on so much at the same time. Yeah. So I did attend that class a couple of weekends ago. And again, just absorbing what's going on in the world and hearing about all these cool shortcuts. And I walked away with, with two thoughts in my mind. And that is you guys live in many ways on case studies. You know, I, I'm going to find this problem. You're going to document, you're going to write an article. You can take pictures, do a video. Why can't we be doing case studies in our own bays with our own people so that we can share down? I mean, I don't care if the shop has one tech so that he can constantly remember, right? Keep his own mm-hmm. log on stuff and take some pictures. But, you know, wham, bam, thank you, man. In and out, in and out. And at the end of the day, he says, yeah, will I ever remember what I, what I figured I'll out? You, I'll found. tell you the answer why it's not happening every day. Flat rate. Yep. I think flat rate doesn't make sense. Name another industry that works off that pay plan that makes people buy their own tools and equipment to work, to, to do their job. that doesn't pay for training doesn't have any benefits associated with it. Name one. There's not one. It doesn't work. Flat rate is a great incentive for if you want some people to cut corners and get as many cars out as possible. It protects the shop owner. It doesn't, prote- it doesn't protect anyone else. Now, there are technicians out there right now listening going, this is crazy. I would never work anything but flat rate because I, I, I'm a rock star. Da, 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 and, and you should be paid for what you're capable of doing. And then you should be held accountable for not doing it. Every, every time I say this to a shop owner, I'm like, well, what happens if they just get lazy and ride the clock? I'm like the same thing that happens at every other single job in the world where you get paid by a clock time. You correct, you discipline, and then terminate. Bingo. We did an episode a while back on that uh, labor rate versus salary incentive. And the key, and one of the keys that came out of it about uh, flat rate was you, you have to manage it as, as the leader of the business. You just, you just can't let it be runaway. I understand there's, there's a lot of benefits to flat rate for both technicians and a lot for shop owners. Okay. But if you want your technicians to learn from something and have, and, and actually have beneficial interactions with a broken car to be able to use that later, they need to have time to absorb that information, go back and go, how could I have come to this conclusion quicker? And then they need to get paid for that. And the, the other side of that too is collaboration with the other technicians. If everybody's flat rate and you're fighting the other guy to make that one hour yeah. break job or 1.2 hour break job, and that's how everybody's page structure is, does that other technician who needs to learn that other approach or that second set of eyes that you need to come look at that car, is that compensation or pay plan in there to accommodate that? It's not. And in a pure flat rate system, if everybody is high on the scale of the flat rate pay scale, there may be some buffer built into it there, but it's still not structured in the pay plan. It's still not structured in the shop culture. You still internally go, but if I go over there and do that, I make zero dollars for doing that. And I've got $120 sitting right here. Yep. Cars are too, cars are too advanced for you to not do that. 
Uh, we can talk about this for two hours, this, yeah. this whole thing. Uh, I want to go to the word practice. One of the other things I walked away with was practice. Are you encouraging your people to you know, listen, uh, go tear something apart. Now you've just had your hands on something. It's got to be easier so that you can continue your learning process. Absolutely. Yeah. But are you doing it enough? I mean, are you making a significant challenge during the class that, uh, you know, you're going to learn a lot here today, but if you don't put it to practical use, guys, it's, it's going away. Just shy of finding them a Prius, I will okay. push people right. to get Priuses and, so and do exactly that. Take, I, I tell them, I look, same thing that Keith did with his battery. I said, I don't sell the job to a consumer, but do the job internally and learn. Satisfy your personal and professional curiosity so that you understand the technology yeah. to the next level. Yeah. And if you do that, yeah, you've, you've practiced it. And, and part of what I said earlier about having training be a an important strategic pillar in the business. I, I wrote a blog on this. It goes beyond that. You're coming back from training. What did you learn? I want to, I'm going to add it to your resume. I want you to teach our people and I want to see that the continuous improvement in this particular area that I sent you to school for, because I paid your time. I paid your room and board. I paid your training. You train your people. Yeah. Yeah. I do it. And not take advantage yep. of the post opportunities that exist. If you were sending your technician to training, put on the calendar at work, for them to apply that twice in the first week after they get back and then once every week for a month after. Minimum. Minimum. What you should be doing is taking that and having them teach a class to the rest of everyone else yeah. and reviewing it and going over it and trying to apply that. Teach them a new scope technique and, and tell them, I'm going to pay you a flat rate hour for you to go over to that car and practice what you went and learned. So if you're going to stick with flat rate and you're going to tell me I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about and blah, 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 go for it. But pay them a flat rate hour to practice that on a known good car and then a broken car. Okay. Just compensate them for it. Uh, did you ever have one of those, uh, Krispy Kreme waffles? I did not. Keith, <laughs> uh, I, I, I hope all of us in this room will, will have one of those before we leave. W would you please tell us the story, Isaac? So last year at ASTE, there was a plethora. <laughs> Of available Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. Uh, piles. Piles. I mean, Krispy Kreme boxes. Gosh, I, I'd say there was close to a thousand donuts. Um, and uh, my inner fat kid was very satisfied. Uh, it's it's, my inner fat kid is working his way out. And they were uh, in full assist last year. Yeah. And you can't always eat all those donuts, right? There's a thousand donuts out there. Yeah. Uh, so what you do with day-old Krispy Kreme donuts is you put them in a waffle iron. And you make donut waffles out of it. Make Krispy Kreme waffles, put a little syrup and whipped cream on there, and you have the best way to get rid of day-old donuts. And so this year, uh, this year I have brought a waffle iron, because last year I went and I told Tracy, I said, look, we, we, have you ever had a Krispy Kreme waffle? She said, no. What is that? And I was like, oh. So, I mean, we, Justin Morgan and I were sitting there debating going to Walmart to go buy a waffle iron. I mean, it was, it's, yeah. it's that serious. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is, we're, we're going to make this an, AST an ASTE tradition now is Krispy Kreme waffles. Yeah. We're going to pick out a room in the hotel and just make an assembly line. We're still there. Yeah. Pumping them out. We're going to flat rate them. Yeah. 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 I, I, the real I, diesel waffler. I, I don't know. We can, we can make that happen. There was actually a time at which a friend of I, uh, a friend of mine and I, she makes, uh, pins for businesses and uh, through her connections, we actually looked and they could make waffle irons, but the minimum order quantity for us to get custom waffle irons was a thousand units. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a little, is a little bit beyond the scope of what, what we could do as two individuals for a gimmick um, I waffle it. iron. But, I, I yeah. totally love it. Well, uh, I, uh, uh, we, you know, on the way down here, Tracy says, 
I'm going to try one. I said, no, he's not going to do this. No, he's not going to do this. So we're, I guess we're hoping that the, uh, the, the Krispies show up later. Right? So, so there may be a smaller Krispy Kreme thing than last year, uh, but I, I, I did talk to Trisha. Okay. And uh, we may have a Krispy Kreme tasting event, like they had a bourbon tasting oh, event. Yeah. Um, so for those of us that, that don't drink, that like to satisfy our sweet tooth and get our carbs that way instead, uh, we'll have the waffle tasting room. Where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> Because last year we didn't believe him, by the way. That, that was the deal. That was the deal. It was, it was a year-long challenge. So talk to me about your laptop. I mean, God, it's the, it's the laptop to have, right? The laptops came about out of necessity from back when I had my repair shop. So my background in as a child was not automotive. My dad is not a car guy. He's uh, He enjoys motor vehicles, but he's not a hardcore car guy. He was never a mechanic or a technician. Uh, my dad was a... Uh, radar technician in the Navy during Vietnam. And then he got out and, uh, he's, he was with us our whole, uh, you know, growing up, but not into cars. Uh, and I was not receptive to cars as a teenager. Like I would encourage people to be that, but I would want to work for me. <laughs> the, uh, but so the laptops came out of necessity. So my background was in computers. I built computers and guides for computers when I was in middle school and high school. And then when I had my repair shop, I was finding that I had to send things to the dealer often. Then there was a guy that came around uh, and he was a traveling sales guy and he had some issues with the computer and I fixed his issues. And then he was like, man, do you think that you could build something that would actually work and do what, what I'm trying to do? And I said, sure, no problem. And so I started building these computers. I don't know what the year before we all met. So that's yeah. 2014, 15. Yeah. Were they desktops? No, they've always been always? laptops okay. for, for the purpose of uh, being around the shop. Now, so these laptops that I build, they use the OE software. They are built and partitioned out so that there are no software conflicts because there are a couple software conflicts that create issues. And then these laptops are built specific to the shop's need using all legit OEM software. We encourage everybody to do everything as legit as possible. We want everybody to sign up and become a NASTA VSP. Mm -hmm. uh, so part of the process for me building a laptop is to encourage them to get their VSP so that we could set them up to do Volkswagen so they could do keys on other vehicles, complete parameter resets on Fords. Uh, so we build a laptop and they support 20 plus brands on a single unit. Most of it is J2534 compliant. So you can use it with a J device that came with a tool you may have already purchased, or you could purchase a separate tool like a Cardac 3 uh, and start programming about 80% 80, 80 of the vehicles to 85% of the vehicles that are going to come through your shop is a general repair, non-Euro specialist shop. Uh, when you get into the Euro side and the European specialist stuff, you're going to need more specialized tooling because it's not going to be as compliant with, with pass-through devices. But it's still well within inside the reach of every business that is encountering these. And yeah. when you're talking CAN-based vehicles, 2006 and newer, that's that's where... Keith and I's business has really started to shine was that these vehicles, when you replace something, it needs to be programmed uh, more than likely. You can't put a window switch in a Chevy truck without programming it. It's a module. So for that, what I'm trying to do is make the technology accessible and affordable for shops. I don't want to put myself completely out of business programming. I mean, that's what Keith and I do for a living, but at the same time, Keith provides the training. When you purchase a laptop through our company or through Advanced Auto, you get access to Keith's L, the L1 training, J2534, that's involved with it. Because what we want is we want you to be fully encompassed in this. So we don't want you to go in blind. You're on that laptop. Uh, yeah, yeah, Keith. we got links set up and then we, um, we set up an account for them. It comes with the purchase of the laptop. 
to get access to. Nice. I don't want technicians and shops sending cars to the dealer. We can do it. We have the capability. You can invest in the tooling and you can do it and you can say yes to almost every job. And then you can also do, Keith and I have learned to specialize in doing jobs that the dealers can't do. When the dealer says no, we can often find a way to say yes. It may be less economical, but it's it's more economical than replacing the vehicle because it cannot be done. Right. Uh, no, it's not going to be the same price as what the dealer told you. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it is going to be a repaired vehicle that you can continue to put in service. And why is that? Because what, What's the fees? What, what, what ranks that up higher? A lot of it right now is availability of part. So you need to put a, a, a new engine control module in your 18 Suburban because it, it, it needs to be done. And the dealer says, well, they're nationally backordered. We have 20,000 on order. We're not going to get any until at least 2024 is when the next silicone shipment to Taiwan, if they're still a country, when it happens. Oh, and used ones can't be done because this system's set up. There's an immobilizer architecture in this car that disallows the use of a used module. It's a one-time use module, right? So for us, we saw that as a huge e-waste problem. Like, not only do we need to fix the cars, but we have thousands of modules that are just thrown away in trash. So we'll find a way to make that work. So we found methods and methodologies and tooling and equipment to make that work, make that accessible, make the training accessible, make it known that, hey, you can do this. You can provide the service to your local dealer that cannot do the job. This week, I will start doing keys for my local Mercedes dealer on Sprinters because they are not available for Mercedes-Benz right now. They have not been able to do a key for a Sprinter unless it's an emergency situation now for over a year. Uh, and so Mercedes-Benz reached out to me locally and, and we connected and we said, hey, we can provide services for each other I, I can help you. and make this work. We're, we, I, I'm not interested. I'm business to business only. As long as you have proof of ownership... We're yeah. good. I don't need anything beyond that. I'm not interested in knowing your customer. I'm here to assist your business, be profitable in your services. I could go on for another hour. Yeah. Would you, would you both come back someday and we just never continue this? Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought you'd say. <laughs> yeah. Keith Perkins, L1 training. Yeah. Website again. L1 training.com. Oh. Letter L number one. Keith Road Diesel. No. <laughs> Rodell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have been merged. Yeah, I said Keith. I, Isaac Rodell and, and your website again. Uh, the, the, the website is autorescuetools.com. Love it. Thanks, guys, for being here. Thanks, Thanks Carm. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 